Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JRPG Report. My name is Dalton Suter, and this is episode 254. Now, I do have a guest today that I would like to introduce in just a second. But before we even get there, I want to go ahead and just let everyone know kind of what's been up with me lately and why the show has been kind of absent for the last month. Um, I think I mentioned on the last episode that my grandfather was in the hospital and he had gotten out. Um, well, he has been back and forth in and out. Uh, of the hospital um like as of right now they're treating him for pneumonia and tomorrow they are doing an operation to try to shock his heart to put it back into a normal rhythm so i've been real worried about that recently so i've kind of been focusing my attention on other things plus i currently have covid (laughs) so it's just been one thing after another here recently but that being said a good buddy of mine reached out and said, hey, man, I would like to help you with the JRBG report um, because I know you've had a lot going on and things like that. So he is going to start joining me on episodes to get this news out to each and every one of you lovely, lovely listeners. And I would like you all to welcome him with open arms. How would you like me to address you? You want me to call you Team Retro? You want me to call you Mikolov? Mickey? What would you like? Oh, Mickey. M I C K E Y M O U S E. Oh. No, there's too much Mickey Mouse in my life. <laughs> we'll we'll go we'll go with uh with Mikolov. All right. Um but but I probably should explain the whole team retro thing, shouldn't I? That was my next thing. Was go ahead and tell everybody who you are and where they can find your stuff, my good sir. So, I am a YouTuber who is partnered with basically everything that Dalton does, um, which is this podcast, uh, also the Steam Machine podcast and Yaps Pod, um, which I still want to go on one day because I have a feeling that there, there's some grievances about life that I need to air, and th- obviously this podcast is not the place to do it. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I produce YouTube videos on different types of emulation handhelds i basically take all these different things that have a screen and a controller on them and i try to get them to play nintendo games and it's always entertaining for me to watch because i'm a huge advocate for emulation you know um if you can't get the original cart or if the original cart that you're looking for is say two thousand dollars or something ridiculous emulate it man like just do it and, and be able to enjoy these games. That's how I've played a lot of these JRPGs that people have recommended to me that are these older games because I can't afford those. But I can emulate it or if it's been re-released somehow. You know, it's like I'm not going to go out and pay money for Earthbound. But there are ways for me to play it now that don't break my bank account so I can actually get in there and play it. So. Yeah, and let's just talk about the fact that also physical media does have a lifespan no matter which way you go about it, like you probably have a Super Nintendo or a Nintendo game sitting somewhere that you don't realize is long dead. Rust is a thing. They used watch batteries back then, which you can replace, but still, you know, those those will eventually die out as well, and the motherboards do eventually go out. So 
if we're going to talk about preservation, like our kids, our potential kids, um, their kids, you know, how else are they going to be able to play like Mario 3, which is a game that should never be allowed to die ever. Yeah. And it's going to rely, I mean, in Nintendo's mind, it's going to rely on them to re-release it every now and then because they're so against emulation. But, you know, uh, i tell you, what, what I enjoy most about your channel, though, is I'm always looking for a good handheld to play my stuff in while I'm laying in bed. And my thing is I'm blind. Not literally, but, I mean, you see these specs that I got. I got four eyes, mm. you know. Um, so I, I'm always looking. Part of your charm. Yes, I thank you. Yeah, I tip my glasses to you, my good sir. I uh, I really like to see like how these screens look. How big are they? Like how good is the visual on it? Because as much as I love my hacked PC, piece, my hacked PC, excuse me, my hacked PSP that I play ROMs and stuff on, that's a small screen. It's pretty, but it's very small. So I don't know. I just I I I, uh, t- I would tell anyone listening if. You have an interest in handheld gaming. You want to know maybe what's the best for what you're particularly looking for. I would almost guarantee you that Team Retro on YouTube has a video about it. There's a lot of stuff out there. Honestly, like most of my emulation these days, I do it on the Steam Deck because I have the same problem. Uh, I just can't look at small screens anymore. Like I don't know how I stared at an original Game Boy back in the day. Squinting my eyes when the lights were low. I was just talking about just... that the other day. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's wild how primitive that screen was for what it was. And people still flock to it. It's the nostalgia goggles. I did like um, over on Steam Machine when we did a game called Gato Roboto that they had the uh, original Game Boy skin, uh, skin that you could put on it and it made everything look like that. But again, it was on my computer though, so I could see it, you know. I, I, yeah, I do... it was at least it was still lit up properly. Yeah, and it's like emulating those, old, again, emulating those old games uh just it it holds up one of my favorite things to do and i know i don't want to get bogged down with this because we've got some news to uh get to our wonderful audience but one of my favorite things to do is take some of those old games that actually have super game boy support super game boy was this snes attachment that you could put your game boy games in but people actually programmed color into them and so if you put them in the super game boy you got a full color game Whereas if you put it back in your Game Boy, you had cream spinach. <laughs> so now with emulation, you can actually trick the ROM into thinking it's playing on a Super Game Boy, and now you have a handheld that's playing a Game Boy game with its color. That's cool. That's that's one of my favorite things to do. That's rad. Um, I'll have to look into that because I did not know that. So that, that, that's something I learned something today. It probably could work on your PSP. I think it's just a matter of changing what retro art core you use. Yeah. But it sounds simple, but then, like, you go to do it, and then it ends up being tougher than you thought. Always. That's how it always is, dude. <laughs> Nothing's ever easy. No. But. That's why YouTube channels exist. Let us dive into some news, my good sir. Uh, this. Let's do it. This first one that's coming up is... Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis will launch for the iOS via App Store and Android via Google Play on September 7th. Square Enix has announced pre-registration is available now on both platforms. The company has also announced the results of a survey from its closed beta test that ran from June 8th to 28th, as well as its next steps 
in moving forward towards the official release. And if you would like an overview, if you haven't heard about this yet, here you go. Here is one for you. Another possibility for a remake. Relive the most memorable moments in Final Fantasy VII and experience the journey of a young hero, Sephiroth. Experience both classic and new stories within the Final Fantasy VII universe presented in a retro-style look combined with modern, beautifully rendered graphics that's easily accessible on the go. Team up with your favorite characters and customize each one with iconic gear and weapons to defeat powerful opponents in solo or co-op battle modes. Discover never-before-told story of a young hero, Sephiroth. Encounter new characters along the way and play as the iconic heroes such as Cloud and Zack in epic storylines of the original Final Fantasy VII and Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII in episodic installments. The action unfolds through the characters in a modern stylized polygon look inspired by the original Final Fantasy VII, and even those experiencing it for the first time can enjoy this expansive world and the epic saga that defined RPGs for gamers throughout the world. So yeah, man, uh, this sounds like an interesting little phone game. Um, if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, if you aren't a Final Fantasy VII fan, this probably sounds awful. <laughs> but uh, so I did, I did preload it because I'm a I'm an Apple shell. I can't get out of the ecosystem. Try as I might. <laughs> but some of the screenshots that they've actually shown, not much in the way of trailers that I've seen, but it looks like the original Final Fantasy VII. If it's it basically if they did like a, a a 2D HD remaster of it, okay. so it has like all the modern menus from the remake, like that clear half opaque menu, um, and it does it does look good. Um, my concern is that it's just going to be like what they did with Final Fantasy 15. They ported that over to mobile except they made all the characters chibi yeah. and it was literally just to tell the story there was no other substance to it yeah and then so don't forget about that other final fantasy 15 game that had these really cool trailers and then you installed it and it was a town builder that was like oh, you need resources right. and stuff it was like oh come on man and then there was another one that was like oh well this is a, a prequel and it was basically a side-scrolling slasher it was like Strider, but it was Final Fantasy. Yeah, that's right. And they did Kingsglaive, which was the anime, which I heard was really yeah. good. But yeah, well, poor Final Fantasy fifteen. So many missteps. <laughs> like you had to watch a whole movie before you could play it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. But... As a matter of fact, my my copy came with the movie. Well, that's cool. And I still have it. And so, like, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I want to play through Final Fantasy fifteen again. Let me grab some popcorn. But, but I'm excited to try this out. I'm if for nothing else, you know, if it plays very close to the original Final Fantasy VII, but it has updated graphics and it looks a little prettier, then I'm down. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know why is it only on iOS though. Oh no, it says Android. My bad. Yeah, iOS and Android. Ooh. Which, I mean, controller support maybe. That's a possibility. Bluetooth controller support. Mm, that's that could be a thing i got a buddy of mine Although, who like exclusively not. does his gaming on his phone with a controller really yeah. is he is he an android or is he an Apple? android android okay oh well, you know you could do a lot on an android phone you could emulate on android phone so yeah if there's if there's controller support i think you're getting a lot more people on board 
But when they ported Crystal Chronicles to mobile, there is zero controller support. So I'm not Ouch. holding out hope. I uh, I emulated Chrono Trigger for the first time on my phone through the DS emulator. It's a good version. Yeah, it's the best version. I have the physical version yeah. of it now, which has only gone up since I bought it, which blows my mind. I had it with the case and everything. I had a complete version that I'm pretty sure I bought like on release. I sold it like an idiot. And so I finally rebought it and I paid like $75 and I only have the cartridge now. No box. See, I when I got I got it box and all for like $35, $40. Yeah. And then the pandemic you know, it hit. Is. And it, it yeah. went right up. And it didn't go down. Mm-mm. No. Like that and uh the original Fantasy Star I have for Sega Master System. Those are the two most valuable that's games got I have. Some value. Yeah, and the only my only problem with the original Fantasy Star is I have the case, I have the game, I don't have the manual, so I can't say that it's complete. No, but you could say that you have something that I bet fifty million people want. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. You just hold it up. Look, I got it. All right, man. You want to do the next story about uh, Atelier? Sure. Uh, Atelier. Wrestleriana launches for PC via Steam and mobile devices in Japan in 2023. Uh, this is through RPG site. Uh, Koi Tecmo and Gust held a live stream revealing Atelier Wrestler... Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. Atelier Wrestleriana, the Forgotten Alchemy, and the Liberator of Polar Night as a new mainline Atelier entry that will be available in 2023 in Japan on PC via Steam and iOS Android mobile devices. An overseas release outside of Japan has yet to be announced as of this writing. This game will take place in a world where alchemy was last seen 150 years ago. The story will follow the trails of the protagonist Resna... Ooh. I've never played Atelier game, so I'm sorry. I don't. These names are new to me. Uh, I believe you would say Re- that as uh, Resna Stunnenlich... Stern and Leash. She studies alchemy from her teacher Saskia and goes on a journey with her knight aspirin Fred Asana, Kokoshuna, and the mysterious adventurer Roman. Welcome to my world with and- pronouncing names, my good sir. Oh, man. I mean, I know JRPGs have some great names, but that's, uh, protagonist sounds a little German. It does. That, that almost sounds like a German name, but then you end up with, like, Kokoshuka, which is very clearly Japanese. So, uh, the, they included a few snippets of its gameplay sne- scenes. Uh, includes a main menu, which completely shows that this title will be a free-to-play mobile game with gotcha microtransactions, and it is completed with activity energy limit as well as in-game and premium currencies. So, what do you know about this series? Atelier? Uh, I know that James was a massive fan of it. Um, I know that it's gotten... I mean, it's always kind of been like a cult hit series as far as I've known it. Uh, but it's gotten more popular with the Atelier Ryza games that came out. Um, and those are on all the major systems, right? Yes, I believe so. And I, I have not played an Atelier game yet. But from everything that I've been told, they're right up my alley. Because I love JRPGs. I love crafting. And they are a JRPG about crafting and doing alchemy. So it's like, it sounds up my alley. Now this, though, yeah, throw, I got your Throw phone fishing game. and houses into it, and I'm in. Do what? Throw fishing and houses into it, and I'm yes, in. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, 
but I haven't delved into one yet. I don't think this will be my first because obviously, A, it's not coming out over here probably. And two, A and two, my goodness, what's wrong with me? And B, uh, I don't know. I'm not a big mobile gamer, you know? Yeah, me neither. I, I struggle with mobile games. I have a ton of them on my phone. Do any of them get opened? Not really. Yeah, I've got a good bit of them, and I open like one and play it, and it's an idle game. The fact that it's a gotcha gives me a lot of pause, because I I got addicted to a gotcha game. Um, Dragalia Lost, Nintendo actually like produced it. And it was a great, phenomenal gotcha game. I It was one of the only ones that I didn't mind sending them a little bit of money. Yeah. And they shut it down. Man, see that. So I had finally gotten these great teams. Mega Man was a character, because they did an ev- a crossover event with Mega Man. Marth from Fire Album was a character. Um, Joker from Persona 5 was a character. That was, and so, I was going to say, that was one of those games that they got me with the Persona 5 crossover that I downloaded it and installed it to get that and then never did. Yeah. And then just uninstalled it. Yeah. No, it was a great game. I, I enjoyed it. It had autoplay mechanics so you could just like watch it do stuff without having to actually actively play. So a lot, uh, my foster son was really young when I was playing. So a lot of the time I would be, you know, coaxing him to sleep in one arm and I'd just be playing Dragalia on the other. And they shut it down. I've never played a gotcha game since. I'll tell you, people, and I know this isn't technically a Japanese game, but like people, you know, give Genshin Impact heck for being a gotcha game. Um, I've never felt, um, I won't say I haven't felt the urge because I have spent a little money on that game, but like 10 bucks, I think, like nothing major. Um, But you didn't feel like you needed to couldn't beat the game yeah i didn't feel like i needed to do that to progress because there are things that you can do in that game to earn the currency to get new characters now is it going to take you a little longer than it would if you just dropped your money yeah absolutely but i haven't ran into any situations where i felt like man if i spent money i could be doing way better at this yeah is that your one mobile game no no uh i play genshin impact on pc because it looks ridiculously good um but I haven't played it in a while. Uh, I no, my one mobile game is a game called Grimoire, that was uh, suggested to me by a JRPG Report Discord member, Kularian. Uh, we were talking about idle games. He recommended that. I recommended him Merchant. Um, without me thinking about like, no, Merchant's actually pretty in depth. Like you have to. I mean, it can be where you just spend a little time on it here and there, but also you could also sit there and spend two hours on it if you want. Wow. But no, Grimoire, just incremental watch numbers go up top type game. Now, Genshin, how how do you stay engaged with that game? Do you treat it more like Breath of the Wild and like sit there and play it for hours, or do you just give it little snippets? Uh, when, whenever I install Genshin and decide to dive in and play it, I will... It depends on my mood. I very much treat that game in both ways. Where there are times where I'm like, oh, let me go explore. Like when they release their new region. I played for like two or three hours just running around exploring and fighting enemies and stuff. I didn't really do any of the quests. Um, And then there's other times I log in, I do my daily stuff, I go and I grab a few quests, run and do them, and then I log out and I'm done for the day. Because it's kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Because that is a very pretty game. It is pretty. It's very pretty. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's, I've always attempted to get into it and I usually just find myself running around aimlessly, killing a few bad guys and then turning it off. 
So I yep. haven't really progressed. <laughs> like, there was stuff I really wanted to do. They had an Aloy event. If you played on PS4, I missed that. Um, you could get basically where you can get her. Um, I don't know. That that was really it. That's what roped me in. And then I never... It's the same thing with you and Dragalia. I, I downloaded it to get Aloy, and then I never got Aloy. Yeah. Gotta love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's see. This next one coming up. I have a few friends who I know are pretty hyped for this. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet downloadable. I almost said Pokemon Violent. Pokemon Violet downloadable I mean, a content. lot of people are violent when it comes to how these games are sometimes. <laughs> yeah, the Hidden Treasures of Area Zero Part 1, The Teal Mask, will launch on September 13th. The Pokemon Company and developer Game Freak have announced. The first adventure in the Hidden of Treasure, or the Hidden Treasure of Area Zero, the new downloadable content for the blockbuster Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet video games, will launch on September 13th, 2023. In Part 1, The Teal Mask, Players take a school trip to the land of Kitakame, where or Kitakami, excuse me, where they join an outdoor study program held jointly between their academy and another school. Players can look forward to meeting Pokemon not found in the Paldea region while unearthing the mysteries behind an old Kitakami folktale. Now, here's the big part that I saw that I feel <clears throat> that I feel like everyone that I know is hyped about. A special in-game event called Get Mew and Mewtwo will take place in Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, marketing the debut of the mythical Pokemon Mew and the legendary Pokemon Mewtwo in the Paldea region. Marketing, excuse me, marking the debut. Man. It is marketing, though. It is marketing. You're very right. <laughs> Beginning today through September 18th, 2023, at 7.59 a.m. PT, players can add Mew to their team by entering the password GetYourMew, and that's G-E-T-Y-0-U-R-M-E-W, all caps in the mystery gift menu. In addition, a special terror raid battle event will take place between August 31st, 2023 at 5 p.m. PDT and September 17th, 2023 at 4.59 p.m. PDT or PT. In this event, players can challenge and catch a Mewtwo with the mightiest mark. Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet are available now for Switch. So, Pokemons. I love the Pokemons. I do too, man. I haven't played that that game yet, other than uh, no, no, I haven't. I haven't played it at all, so I need to. But man, it's I would say there's no rush, honestly. Like I I I hope I don't alienate people by saying this. Saying this, this is probably the hottest of takes. It was the first Pokemon game where I just got to the end and said I'm good. Oh, you didn't do any of the is, any of the post content then. I did, I did the post-content, actually, I, I, I'm pseudo-lying. I did the post-content, and I finished the Pokedex. But usually with me in a Pokemon game, it's, and I did this with Sword and Shield, you get both versions. You play through each one. You get every Pokemon to 100 that's on your team. You raise a competitive team. And you do all the post-content. And in Sword and Shield... I went through at least two competitive seasons. Okay. And so I have like a, I have a veritable army in Sword and Shield. Like I lo I loved that game to death. I did not do a single bit of competitive play with Scarlet and Violet. The game it wasn't bad. It just had so many missteps. And actually I'm hoping the DLC will fix it. Of course I will play it. I will, you know, be excited about it. 
But this was the first game in you know twenty something odd years of Pokemon that that didn't keep my attention longer than it was necessary. See, the last one that I played, and I really enjoyed my time with it. I just haven't played it, played it because uh, the way I was playing it, I'll just put it that way. Um, oh, excuse me, was a uh, leg- uh, the Arceus game, Legend of Arceus. Okay, almost that's phenomenal, and that game was awesome for what I played of it. Oh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's like, and they took a lot of stuff out of that. Like, there was no competitive. It was mostly a single-player game. It was only one version as opposed to two. Yep. So you could finish the Pokedex in that one game. Like, even the po- like 250 Pokemon. Okay, it was still a blast. A lot of people complain about not having every single Pokemon. It gives them time to focus on the actual gameplay. Yeah. Instead of rendering, like, a thousand creatures. Yeah, at this point... At this point, if you want a Pokemon game that's got all of those Pokemon in there, go look at some of the uh, the fan hacks of the older games that are like Pokemon Fire Red, but there's 800 Pokemon in it, mm. where people have created sprites for all of these new Pokemon, and they look amazing. Right. You're not going to get that from Game Freak, and you're not going to get that from the Pokemon right. Company, because they're looking to get a product out the door that's going to run properly, and it's going to have to run on the Switch. You know, right. If Nintendo eventually gets to a point where they release a system that's on par with the PlayStation 5 or the you know, the Xbox, then they might be able to do a Pokemon game that can render all 1,000 Pokemon that there are. Which they're never going to do okay. because they always want to keep the cheap technology because they want to keep prices down because they want to keep their under-18 fan base. Yep. Which I understand. Oh, absolutely. It's but, what they've done for years. It's, it's a proven working thing for them. <laughs> but then you look at a game like Monster Hunter Rise... Which has like maybe fifty. I, I didn't play Sunbreak, but it's got something like fifty odd monsters, and they're all gorgeous, and they're beautifully rendered, and they're humongous. And then Pokemon almost looks like a cartoon next to that. Yeah, it's just, and it's nothing against the developers. It's just it's hard when there's so many. Yeah, and ex- exactly and, though that's what I was gonna say. It was, imagine if there was a Pokemon game that came out that only had fifty Pokemon. How well those fifty Pokemon would well in theory could look because they probably just give us what they'd usually give us and be like here you go, but I mean yeah but imagine imagine like a Charizard where you can see every single scale or oh I'd or be all for it Pikachu where you could like see the fur like it's that well rendered yeah I would love it I would love it well maybe it'll happen in our lifetime who knows who knows. Maybe one day there will be a big catastrophic thing and Game Freak and Nintendo and the Pokemon Company won't do business anymore and it'll become a bidding war between Microsoft and Sony. (laughs) Man, I wish, but there are so many hands on Pokemon. There's Nintendo... Basically, there's Pokemon Company International, which is basically Nintendo, Game Freak, and whatever, like, smaller developers that they bought to bring out their other IPs to. Yeah. Bandai okay I'll get this Bandai Namco made a Pokken Tournament which is a Pokemon fighting game that plays like Tekken hence the name Pokken every single and there's only like 20 something Pokemon in it they're gorgeous yeah they're beautiful that game is that game looks really good yeah (laughs) yeah like I know people complain about not having their full decks but the, the more memory you have to, to rendering and graphics, the better your game is going to be. Our, 
Arceus is proof of that. Yeah. I don't disagree. So speak speaking of of Pokemon and graphics. This next story, uh, Nintendo Switch Online adds the Pokemon trading card game and Nintendo 64 Nintendo Switch Online adds Pokemon Stadium 2. Now, my first question being Mm-hmm. Is the first Pokemon Stadium already on there? Or did they just go straight it to is. it is? Okay. No, it is on there. Okay. Um and we'll talk I actually do want to talk about a little bit about some of the downfalls of that. There's some it's it's great that it's on there. Um But before I do that, let's talk about these two games. Uh Pokemon Trading Card Game. The greatest Pokemon trading card game players of all time, the Grandmasters, are looking for one player worthy of inheriting the four rare legendary Pokemon cards. Build new decks with the auto deck machine. Hone your skills on the challenge machine and test your ability in the challenge hall. Expand your card collection, duel your way through eight club masters and earn the right to challenge the grandmasters in the Pokemon dome. Shadowy figures, wise instructors and powerful opponents await in the ultimate trading card game adventure. With Pokemon Stadium 2, encounter hundreds of Pokemon in tremendous 3D. I guess 251 is hundreds. What's better than victory in a Pokemon battle? Victory in a 3D arena on Nintendo 64. See the Pokemon you've carefully trained, fully rendered in 3D, ready for battle. Then prepare your strategy and stand back while your Pokemon battle it out. See Pokemon such as Ho-Oh and Pichu battling against old favorites like Mewtwo and Pikachu... Take on 21 Pokemon trainers in the Gym Leader Castle and try to win it all to become the stadium champion. Discover 12 all-new multiplayer minigames featuring Pokemon from Gold and Silver. Transfer Pokemon from the Red, Blue, Yellow, Silver, and Gold versions of Pokemon for Game Boy. Or play with rental Pokemon including in the game. Now this is from Gamatsu, and Gamatsu got some things wrong. So... I, I believe that that is the description of the original Pokemon Stadium 2. Oh, it does It because, does say via the backs of their boxes. I'm sorry. And, and I only say that because I don't think that there is a way to use your own teams on these games now, right? No. Um, not not through Nintendo Switch Online anyways. And actually, I remember they were specifically announced this, and I, and I got hyped because I'm thinking that means that Red, blue, yellow, gold, silver are going to come to the service, and so they. I, I, when I first watched the trailer, I assumed there was some magic, and that like right after that announcement, they were going to make another announcement. Instead, we get an asterisk. Pokemon cannot be transferred to these games. That's a bummer too, because that was the big That's thing a, with Stadium. Oh, I know, and especially in like Stadium One and Two, because you couldn't. This was at Stadium One. They didn't have shinies, but if you nicknamed your Pokemon and you brought them into Stadium, they'd be a different color, like a different shade of whatever color they were. And so you went into the mini games. It automatically detected your nicknamed Pokemon in your game, and when you went to play it, it showed the different color. That's cool. And and same thing with Stadium Two. I think I think if you had actual Pokemon when you went to play the mini games, it would use them. So you so you weren't just playing with like random Lickitung or whatever. That was your Lickitung sitting in your box, scooping up sushi. <laughs> and, and some of, I mean, I'm glad that it's a Nintendo Switch Online for the mini games alone. They were great. They were great mini games in those. They were like the the Clefairy 
matching one, still one of my favorites. But my my question is, how hard would it be for them to put blue, uh, red, blue, yellow, gold, and silver on the Game Boy side of it, and then have some sort of back end thing that when you load in the stadium, it just reads through your saves and pulls that file from Game Boy, and then you could load it up. So my understanding is somebody's already done it. Somebody like with a modded switch was able to mine the emulators that they use and they figured out that not only is trading built into the online because what they did was they hacked um Pokemon Blue into the Switch online on two switches and they were able to wirelessly connect and trade. So there is a back end in there for it already programmed. Nintendo just has to do it. I wonder if they're saving that. Like, for the next time they release a big flop or something, they'll be like, oh, well, we're making up for it. Here are the original Pokemon games that you guys love on the Game Boy uh, online thing. And guess what? You guys can trade. And then they're back in the good graces. Mm. Like, let's say yeah. Legend of Zelda 3 the new the after the tears of the kingdom or whatever comes out and it's a flop it's not going to be but let's just say it is it's not going to be that could be the their ticket in but i don't know yeah or they're delaying uh a new pokemon game until the like whatever new system they have comes out and so they'll say well yeah we're delaying this game but here you go play some old ones well no and pokemon stadium is hard with rentals yeah. Like, it is a straight-up challenge. Yeah, because you're not working with uh, these move sets that you've curated to be the best that they can be. You're just getting what you're given most, uh, most right. often. Right. And and half the time, like, the Pokemon with the better move sets, they're not fully evolved versions. Like, I remember going through Pokemon Stadium with rentals, and I had to use, like, a Kadabra and a Jigglypuff. So, yeah, they had the better move sets. But um, stat wise, they were they were squishy. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh let's roll through um to yeah. Sorry, I know I, could, I I there's Pokemon stories I could talk about Pokemon all night. Hey, dude, we could do a uh, we'll do a Sunday special sometime on uh some Pokemon <laughs> stuff. That'd be fun. I would totally do that. So this next one, this next news story coming up is uh, a bit of a bummer. Uh, WrestleQuest, which is a JRPG-inspired game about wrestling coming out, uh, has been delayed till August 22nd. Um, Mega Cat Studios have delayed the release of WrestleQuest to August 22nd. The wrestling RPG was originally set to release on August 8th for the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam. But a critical saved game bug is cited as the reason for the delay. So, hey, you know what? I would rather them delay it and fix that than release a game that's giving people save issues because that is like a death knell. So uh, it's August twenty second. It's not that's not too far from now. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, this game definitely check this out though. I'm looking at the cover here. Why does the guy in the front look like Hulk with the bandana and everything? He's got glasses and the bandana. I know it's not Hulk, but it. Oh, you talking about the the? Why did the, I say Hulk? The big face, right? That's Macho Man. Oh, is that Macho yeah. Man? So that's Macho Man, and then the two, the two guys to the left, that's the Road Warriors. Then you got, I believe that's Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, oh, so the, are they actually the characters, or are they parodies? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I know that Jeff Jarrett has a hand in making this game. 
So like it might be that they're actual if they're actual I mean it doesn't matter if they are or they're not like I'll say these people know who these people are. Yeah, it's so, it's going to it's going to be rad. And it's I, turn based I didn't JRPG. know this game existed and I didn't know this game existed until I heard about it on the JRPG report and I kind of want to play it now. <laughs> Dude, I know it, it looks cool, man. If you're a, if you're does. a wrestling fan and a JRPG fan, it's yeah, there you go. I'm not really a wrestling fan, but it's got it, I don't know, it's got enough other stuff to to suck me in. Could be interesting like so. a golf story ended up turning out. Yeah, right? And people not interested in golf love that game. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of fantastic, uh also from Gamatsu, uh Persona 5 the Phantom X Awakening test begins August 18th. Publisher Perfect World Games and developer Blackwing's Game Studio will begin a second closed beta test, the Awakening Test for Persona 5 The Phantom X on August 18th. The company's announced registration is available until August 14th, and a FAQ is available. Um, what is this? So this is a new phone game. Uh, oh, it's a phone game. Yeah, okay. Developed for iOS and Android. Currently, the release date has only been confirmed for China. Ah. Uh, but um, it looks interesting. There's a there's a new, I believe it's a whole new cast of characters, actually. So it's not even, no, I don't see a single Joker in here. I see an owl instead of Morgana, but. Yeah, and then the one the one girl looks like Makoto, but that's not Makoto. That's not Makoto. No. So, huh. I don't know too much about this. I am a Persona 5 fan, but I don't know too much about this uh, specific game. But it doesn't look like it's coming out anywhere but China. Which is unfortunate, because it looks like it might be fun. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll get released over here eventually. Like, you know, they're going to ring out that Persona 5 cash cow as long as they can. Speaking of, Sega and Atlas have released a new trailer, new screenshots, and new information for Persona 5 Tactica. And I, I tell you, the first time I read Persona 5 Tactica, I was like, oh, somebody accidentally hit an A instead of an S when they were typing that. And then I realized that was the actual name of the game. And I was like, I wonder if they did that. And I was like, yeah, we'll just roll with it. It sounds cool. Tactica. <laughs> Sega and Atlas have um, released a new trailer, new screenshots, no, and uh, new information for Persona 5 Tactica detailing Yoshiki, uh, battle mechanics, difficulty settings, and the Repaint Your Heart DLC content. We are also getting a reintroduction to the rest of the Phantom Thieves. This trailer and details and screenshots can all be found via Atlas on YouTube. Uh, Persona 5 Tactica is set to release on November 17th for the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam. The Repaint Your Heart Challenge DLC pack is also included in the game's Digital Deluxe Edition. Uh, let's see. A stark contrast from the French Revolution vibe of Mari's Kingdom, the Phantom Thieves in Arena now find themselves in a kingdom reminiscent of mid-1800s Japan. Before they can even catch their breath, the Phantom Thieves see a woman in crisis. And while they successfully save her, they become wanted criminals in the process. According to Yuki, the woman that they saved, the kingdom's ruler, Yoshiki, is seen as a moral and loving leader. But she claims this is only a facade. In truth, the kingdom's citizens are subject to constant surveillance, excused by a need to watch over the citizens. And anyone who shows a whiff of dissent towards Yoshiki is captured and immediately taken away to perform labor under force. Joker and the team decide to stand up to Yoshiki. To do so, they must free the imprisoned citizens of military posts throughout the kingdom. To avoid the watchful eye of Yoshiki's legionnaires, whom he calls his Aizen Squad, the Phantom Thieves are led by Yuki to a local kimono shop. After disguising as a samurai, a geisha, and other citizens, 
the team decides to enact Toshihiro or yeah, Toshiro's divisionary strategy as to escape with the imprisoned citizens unharmed. While the team's plan is successful, their joy is short-lived, though. Yoshiki descends from the sky, his serene demeanor now replaced with terrifying rage. Now the Phantom Thieves and friends will face the full might of this kingdom's ruler. And then there's some introduction. And it looks like all the uh, all the characters from Persona 5 Royal are here. Yep, and there's some introduction to characters and a bit into the battles, which I'm not going to lie. This looks like, to me, this reminds me of Disgaea. Uh with a bit of Persona flair, which is cool. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it, too. I, It reminds me a little bit more of Final Fantasy Tactics, but I don't know. Maybe not. I've never actually played some Final of the screenshots. Tactics. Yeah, it's... I mean, I know it's called Tactica, but... Yeah, no, I could be wrong. I do like the chibi art style, though. The game itself, it does look good. I don't know if it's going to catch my attention on the same month that Mario RPG comes out, but... Ooh, that's right. That is coming up soon. Yeah, but it's the characters look so cute. I I don't know. I might. I haven't. Pl- I haven't actually played Royal. I've only played the original five. So, the new character that they introduced is I still don't know anything about her. Um, but I don't know. This looks cute. Quick. N- Speaking of cute. Quick note, my good sir. Oh, go ahead. So the the link about uh, Grand Blue Fantasy. Uh-huh. That click that get rid of that because that was I thought that was about the Grand Blue RPG game. It's not. It's about the fighting game. Oh, okay. So you want me to do the the Fate yeah, Samurai so we'll one? Fate Samurai. Okay, Fate Samurai Remnant second trailer Rogue Servants detailed. Publisher Koei Tecmo and developer Omega Force have released the second official trailer for Fate Samurai Remnant as well as new information and screenshots introducing the game's Rogue Servants. Uh. There is a character named Archer. Um, a sir. Oh no, that's a, that's a, that's the class. Um, it looks like the character's name is uh, Jane Chengong, and this character is a servant of the Archer class who is loyal, courageous, and fierce. He shows respect to his master, and freely maneuvers his bow and arrow to help him in his battles. I am getting this completely wrong. It looks like the master is Zhang and the servant is Archer. An archer is an archer. Um, also, uh, Dorothea Koya is the master, and it looks like um, Assassin is the servant, and not much no- is known except he's a phantom in gray with long arms and legs that flex like whips. He is said to be able to summon and manipulate many servants as his subordinates. Um, and then you have a rogue saber... Uh, who's a rogue servant of the Saber class. He is an armored warrior who rides a gray horse and wields a large sword. He is in pursuit of an enemy called the Evil Ogre, whom he seeks to destroy. And then it kind of it kind of goes on from there. The article just talks about a lot of the different characters. Um, I'm not quite sure how the whole master and servant thing works, but I'm guessing it's part of the Fate Samurai series. So... Uh, I found it in the article. It's just buried. So here, I'll read it out. Um, Fate Samurai Remnant will also feature a number of rogue servants throughout the game. uh, And these highly powerful warriors do not have masters. And if you are able to form a bond with them, you will not only be able to temporarily borrow their powers, but some of them can even accompany you in battle. Um, And while a few of these rogue servants have made appearances in past Fate series titles like Rogue Lancer, uh, Fate Samurai Remnant also introduces all new rogue servants to the Fate universe like Rogue Rider. 
Okay. So I'm guessing Rogue Servant is either a class or um, just a character. Um, I would assume so, because I don't know too much about the Fate series. Me neither, and... If you're if, so, if you're listening and you know if you're yeah. in the know on the Fate series, please like reach out to me somehow uh, <laughs> on Twitter and let me know because I'd like to know. X. Where should I start with this? Oh yeah, on X. Excuse me. X. Oh, Dawn Trail. Okay, go ahead. Um. So, the uh, the next one we got coming up is more of an opinion piece, but I thought it would fit because it's pretty short, but uh. This is written by James Galizio. So this is from the opinion of this guy. I love Final Fantasy XIV, and like any other player, I've been eagerly awaiting when we would get to learn more about the upcoming 7.0 expansion. And with the reveal of Final Fantasy XIV Dawn Trail, it has become abundantly clear that the main focus for next year's release will be tackling all of these little complaints the player base has had over the years. I'm not talking about the new story or any of the new content that's slated to launch alongside the expansion, but rather updates and features that apply to specific aspects of the game. Adding in an additional die channel, allowing players to further customize their Warrior of Light's appearance, an increase in the amount of furniture that houses can hold, and his favorite, a proper raid strategy planner, complete with visual indicators and all. Alongside the previously announced graphics update, which of course was also heavily showcased during the FanFest 2023 keynote, and the long-awaited Xbox console port, Square Enix and Creative Business Unit 3 have made it abundantly clear that Final Fantasy XIV is in it for the long haul. Furthermore, that the team is committed to honing in on the game's strengths, which is the glamour and housing, of course, while also making smart changes to improve existing weaknesses, like Party Finder. Perhaps it all stands out even more just seeing how similar the new content that Dawn Trail is slated to bring currently sounds remarkably similar to the slate of new content that was added within Walker. The requisite new dungeons, trials, and raids. A new deep dungeon. New variant and criterion dungeons. New casual content similar to Island Sanctuary. And PvP and Gold Saucer updates. Endwalker also featured its fair share of housekeeping, of course. Across the life of the expansion, the team has made great strides to overhaul earlier content in order for duties and such as the dungeons from A Realm Reborn through Stormblood can be completed entirely solo with a set of trusts. The addition of the new residential district in the Imperium, new servers, data centers across the world, including the introduction of the first Oceana data center. All of that understandably got overshadowed by Endwalker's role in concluding a nearly decade's worth of story. Well, during the fan fest, we had Naoki Yoshida saying that as much that Don Trail as envisioned as sort of a quote-unquote summer vacation for players. While I'm sure it will set up the next phase of the game's story, the expectations have been set for whatever events happen in 7.0 and its patches likely won't feel as important as what has come before it, or at least not at the start. Part of me does wish that 7.0 could be a drastic reinvention of what has come before and take full advantage of the benefits that a new beginning might bring much as A Realm Reborn so boldly did back in 2013. Yet I also fully understand that once a game has become as successful as 14 has, you have much less leeway to make such sweeping changes. So it appears that Dawn Trail prepares to blaze a new path for Final Fantasy XIV, not by revising what already works, but rather building upon that what has made it successful in the first place. So I'm an active subscriber right now. Um... And I'm just getting to Endwalker. So I don't know how dark and deep that is. I know I just 
just from finishing Shadowbringers, and I, I don't want to put spoilers in, um, it gets deep. And I'm pretty sure Endwalker is going to get even deeper. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to Dawn Trail because my poor character needs a break. <laughs> yeah, right. After everything your character goes through, it's like, yeah, please give us a summer vacation. Yeah, so I'm I'm very much I'm very much okay with them dialing back the drama and going back to what made people want to play the game in the first place, which is you're a new adventurer out looking for adventures. So new part of the world, you know, that type of thing. So I'm I'm hyped for it. All right. Well, then would you like to uh, go to the next article, my good sir? Uh, sure. Uh, Uden Chronicle 100 Heroes has been delayed to quarter two, 2024. Ugh. Uh, publisher 505 Games and developer Rabbit and Bear Studios have delayed strategy RPG Uden Chronicle 100 Heroes from its previously planned 2023 release window to Q2 2024. It will be available for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC via Steam, Epic, and GOG when it launches, as well as Xbox Game Plus, Plus, as well as Xbox Game Pass. According to Rabbit and Bear Studios, the decision was made in order to ensure the best possible story and to reward the legion of Kickstarter backers with the best game experience possible. And then they also uh, published a three-minute gameplay video um i want which it looks go ahead i just want to say i want to say right off the bat this is the first time i think since i've started uh take when i took over the jrpg report that i've seen gog gog get mentioned in an article like good on them because good old games gog like i know i do a podcast called the steam machine all right and we mostly cover things that we have on steam but I am constantly buying things again on GOG because GOG is DRM free. So when you buy that game, you own that game. If you want to download it and install it on a hard, like an external hard drive and have it to play forever and never have to log on to the internet again, you can do that. And it's just tremendous. Yeah. I actually have a copy of Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri on GOG. And it's the only way to play that game now because it's so old. Mm -hmm. It has to be downloaded with like compatibility layers and all that. Um, but I could get it on my Mac, which is phenomenal because I could I could just sit and play that game all day. I haven't recently, but GOG's good for a lot of things. Yeah. DRM free, and then actually taking some of these old games and making them compatible. Yeah, because they'll they'll take the uh, like super old games and pre-configure the DOS box for you. So when you install it and run it, it just automatically runs DOS box what it needs to do and loads the game up. Right, which is so nice. I have to check and see if there's like a couple of old games on there because there's a there's an old Star Trek game I used to play that I still have the disc for, but obviously it's not going to work on any modern computer. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, Ewan and Chronicle. I know there's a lot of people hyped for this because this is like the spiritual successor to Suikoden, right? Mm. Um, so it's going to have like the hundred characters that you can get and things like that. But, um, I don't, again, I don't mind that it got delayed because I'm always of the mind that if they're going to delay it, it's because they need to fix something. 
Right. And if they, it's not like there's any shortage of games out there, especially RPGs. Yeah. So this is going to come out when it's ready, and just like be, be happy that they're taking the time to do that instead of just pushing out a product to get the money. You know. So we've seen what happens when when companies do that. Yeah. They release broken games, and then you have complaints on the other end. Yes, sir. So these next few. All right. Um. I'm going to run through real quick because I think they're all by the same, and I don't know anything about them, um, but they're all by the same publisher. And yes, they are. And the, yeah, they're all they're all different games, but they, they must have had some kind of announcement. Yeah, they, they must have done like a... Like a showcase or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, it had to have been. So uh, yeah. Bushy Road Games and Lancars have released a teaser trailer for Mushoku, or Mushoku Tensai, Jobless Reincarnation, Quest of Memories. Uh, so, it was originally announced uh, for January 2023 as an RPG set to release for PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Today's teaser trailer adds PlayStation 5 to the list of platforms and showed off some of the series' characters and locales, which can be found in the video. I did retweet this if you'd like to check this out over at JRPG Report on Twitter, slash X, whatever it is now. A release date in English localization, though, has not been announced for this game. They also, publisher Bushiroad and developers Apollosoft and Mebius, have released the second trailer for Goblin Slayer, Another Adventurer, Nightmare Feast. The strategy RPG is set to release this winter for Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam, and the game will support English. Um, a little bit about this game. Goblin Slayer's first console game, titled Goblin Slayer, Another Adventurer, Nightmare Feast, is currently in development. The original creator of the series, Kumo Kagyu, uh, is in charge of the original concept and series composition, whilst the main character designs are being handled by Noboru uh, Kanatsuki, who also worked for the original series. The game will feature a new story set in the four-cornered world with original characters. The game will be a tactical RPG, in keeping with the style of Goblin Slayer, where players will have to consider the positioning of their units on the battlefield as well as the strengths and weaknesses of both allied and enemy units. The game is currently in development with a release planned for this winter. Further updates will be provided as they become available. Stay tuned for more information. And a little bit of the story overview for you, ladies and gents. The heroine of this work is a young girl who takes over the operation of the Adventurer's Guild in place of her deceased father, the Lord, and becomes the guild master in a remote land, while also actively participating as an adventurer herself. During her adventures, she encounters a vampire girl, the Blood Princess, and meets many other companions. But one day, she discovers a peculiar small box in her late father's study. The true nature of this small box is an artifact believed to possess the power of resurrecting the dead in this land. As the protagonist and her party get entangled in the desires of those seeking the resurrection of the dead, revolving around this small box, will they be able to bring an end to the series of events? Tune in next week and find out on Dragon Ball Z. Let's say you got all narrator on me. I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, I always try to do story overviews with a bit of a narrator voice, as much as my voice can handle right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, so this one sounds interesting, too. I like a good tactical RPG, and the sprites look beautiful. I was just going to say, the sprites, I, I love classic sprites. Like, give, give me sprite art over modern CGI any day. Maybe I'm just too old. Or a good mix of it, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But the the last Bushy Road game uh, was from Bushy Road and developer Hakama, which is uh, the developer of Rune Factory 5. 
Uh, they have released mm. the first trailer for Rear Sakai along with the game's opening movie. So Rear Sakai was originally revealed in January of 2023 as an action RPG helmed Rune Factor by Rune Factory veteran vet, <clears throat> take two Rune Factory veteran Yoshifumi Hashimoto. The game features many components familiar to the Rune Factory series, such as action RPG combat and a cast of townspeople to interact and develop relationships with. Rear Sakai also introduces a dual world phenomenon where the protagonist wakes up in a more contemporary setting and he or she must discover the secret of the two worlds. The footage and screenshots can be found below, which I did retweet this if you're interested. Rear Sakai is set to be released on October 12th in Japan for the Nintendo Switch, but an English localization, unfortunately, has not been announced yet. And I say unfortunately because that sounds right up my alley. It sounds phenomenal. <laughs> Rune Factory like, is really good if you've uh, never played them. I played a little bit of 4. I have I have it on Steam. And I actually, I just got um, Rune Factory 5 for the Switch on the cheap. Um, and they're, they are great games. I, it's just time-wise, I always end up dropping off of them. Yeah. But Rune Factory 4 especially, there's something... There's something about that game. Like, just the, the... It's not isometric. It's more like Legend of Zelda type, like, overhead. Yeah. And, I don't know, there's just something charming about that game. I... So, to have something that's similar, like, like there's a pic... Just a, a, the, the pictures here and the art, like, this is charming. Like, I would play the heck out of this game. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm right there with you, and I'm like, please localize this, or someone fan translate it. <laughs> yeah, even even if it doesn't come out until next year, like, I don't mind waiting, but this this is the first time hearing of it, and it it just it captured me in every way possible. Yeah, and I would like to see it come out on something other than just the Switch, but I would be okay yes. with it coming out on just the Switch. You know what I mean? That would be fine. Well, you know, PC Steam would probably be ideal. I mean, I feel like that's that should be the go-to for everyone. You're yeah. going to release it on your prior, you know, uh, your um, priority console, but then also on PC because like, there's no reason to not make that money because PC's not in the console war. There is no, they, it's like PC has no beef. They're Sweden, right, or Switzerland, whatever, whichever one it is. They they stay out of it. Yeah, they're Switzerland. They're like, no, just give us the goods, and we're we're going to stay out of this. And plus, so that now we, that we have a, a growing handheld PC market, like actual PCs with controllers attached to them and, and a screen in the middle. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to not release something on PC. Yeah, it's just... Uh... Unless, unless you're Nintendo and you still want to sell hardware, but... Like, even Sony is releasing all their stuff on PC. Yeah. I, yeah, and, and you know what? It's because they re they're realizing there's money in that. It's like when Atlas yeah. released the Persona games. They're like, oh, yeah, they're coming to PC. And then people bought up Persona 5 Royal and Persona 4 when they released Persona 4. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, all right. All right. So, yeah, we're going to release all these Persona games. And now they just need to give us two and like two and one. And then they threw them up on Game Pass. Yeah, that too. And which yeah. was a whole other legion of people that came in. Oh, they're super hyped. So now you're getting the knowledge of your series out to a ton of people. Like, there's no reason not to play a Persona game now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so you want to roll into the, right. ease, the ease news, my good sir? Yeah, let's roll with the ease news, because there's two stories. 
Um, and they're both on Yeast 10 Nordics. Um, and it looks like this first story um, has screenshots that detail Momina, Rome's Joel, Ashley, Erval, uh, Runestones, Fishing, and the Sandris. So Falcom, uh, as well as Asian publisher Clouded Leopard Entertainment, have released new information and screenshots for Yee's 10 Nordics, detailing new characters, as well as runestones and fishing. Um, Yee's Nordics is set to release on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch in Japan on September 28th. Um, and again, unfortunately, an international release has not been announced. And then um, the this article does give uh, a whole a link to a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, I, I will say, um, um, go ahead and scroll past the characters because if if anybody wants to read about the characters, by all means, um, click on this uh, link that I did retweet and come read about them. Um, but there's a lot, so let's just go to the uh, rune stones and fishing and stuff, which is down a little bit below. That's the yeah the meat the meat of what people really want to know yeah. here. Uh, huge stone monuments left behind by the ancestors of the maritime people, the Normans, depicting their achievements and major events. Rune stones are scattered throughout Obelia Bay, and the stories they contain can be read by Adol and Karja using their mana power. Discover more about Karja and the Balta Navy's origins by taking a glimpse into Obelia Bay's past, as told by the Normans who sought new lands, then plundered and invaded them. When reading the stories within the runestones in each location, mana seeds are obtained through the resonance of mana power. Mana seeds are needed to learn abilities in Adol and Karja's growth system, the release line, so you can boost your selected character's traits by exploring Obelia Bay and discovering more runestones. I want to uh, point out real quick in these screenshots that they're showing, man, they're doing really well with the character designs on this one. They are pretty. They look, they look real crisp. Yeah. Um... Adol and Karja can also fish in the field Woo! in dungeons whenever you see the shadow of a fish on the water surface. Select your bait and location, then get ready to land the big one. When you get a hit, the fishing gauge will appear at the top of the screen. Max it out to reel in your catch. During your voyage across the Sandris, fishing spots may randomly appear at various locations in Obelia Bay. By approaching these spots, you could try your hand at deep-sea tuna fishing on board the ship, in addition to regular fishing from land. While fishing and tuna fishing, the support gauge is filled by successfully completing actions displayed on screen. Activating support when the gauge is at maximum will trigger a cooperative effect with your friends and greatly increase your success rate. Fish caught during fishing or tuna fishing events will be recorded in your adventure logbook, Report your catches to Joel, who loves fishing, and you might earn some new equipment for your efforts. Um, and it looks like the Sandris is actually your ship, or a ship that you're on. I believe so, yes. So, in this game, um, let's actually go to the next story, because I'm very curious to see if there's more information on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... They also released a trailer uh, with a video overview of cross action and mo on mana actions. I know I keep uh, flipping between mana and mana. <laughs> uh, Asian publisher Cloud Leopard Entertainment has released a new trailer for Ease uh, 10 Nordics, introducing the game's cross action and, and mana actions. Uh, the video goes over the following elements. 
uh, cross action, solo mode, control either Adol or Karja during battle, automatically evade while using dash moves to keep your enemies guessing. Dual mode, control both Adol and Karja at the same time, use just guard and revenge to gain the upper hand in battle. Uh, mana actions, highlight attack, occurs when you automatically evade or use just guard against a specific enemy, attacks with a flashy effect. String, swing on mana strings to reach faraway plays. Oh, like a grappling mechanic. You can also move objects and flip switches in dungeons. Uh, glide across the ground on your Grimble board. Cross perilous terrain at exhilarating speeds. And burst, charge and release bursts of mana energy. Switch between flame and ice attacks depending on the target. Uh, and then it repeats uh, that in Japan it's coming out on September 28th. And there's a link. Uh, to a bunch of videos here that that demonstrate all of that i also love all the hyperlinks at the end of this that says read more about the game here 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 and here <laughs> there's apparently a lot to learn about this game why do i feel like this is gonna be like their i don't want to say their breath of the wild but maybe they're uh assassin's creed black flag of of yeast that was kind of the vibe that i was getting is that if they're gonna open up the ship stuff more that that's cool. I'm looking forward to that because, man, I I really have enjoyed all the ease games that I have put time into. Um, I played through eight. I haven't beat it. I know shocker, everyone shocker, but like the time I've put into eight, ease eight is phenomenal, and the soundtrack. That first when the, when you get to the island in the beginning of ease eight and you're starting your adventure as eight all, this song starts playing, and I can't think of the name of it right offhand, but it is like the epitome to me of a song that lets you know you're about to start an adventure sunshine coastline that's what it's called sunshine coastline it's so good are, are we we talking like a simple and clean type introduction song no no Better? this is no vocals this is just something that's playing in the background as you're running around doing your th i'll send oh, i'll send okay. it to you when we're done recording yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can listen to it wow it's it's so you're good. gonna make me want to play the game then and i've got to start Baldur's gate so bad <laughs> Ooh, yeah Baldur's gate that's uh, that's a whole other conversation not a, not a jrpg but man i can't wait to start it but uh so we'll uh we'll roll on through this guy yeah, sorry again again yeez is another another series that i could talk about forever just because of my interest in it i have yet to to play a yeast game other than three for the super nintendo but just the fact that they've released so many games and they all feature the same guy at different points of his life yeah. and it's pretty disjointed right like it's not all chronological no 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 because it's like you can go and look it up and it'll be like yeah so ease eight takes place between ease two and ease four and like you know these weird things like that. So yeah, the games are all out of order. But I really enjoy that. It's like you're. It's like playing through a season of an anime in a way, where it's like you come back right. to this character and you're like, okay, Adol, what shenanigans are you up to this time? Or like a book series yeah. where like every it's the same character, but it's a different adventure. Yeah, and it, I I love it because because you you know you play through these games and yeah, don't get me wrong, I love these games where you can create your character, mm. but. There's 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 something to be said about a character that you grow attached to. It's kind of like like I'll use a uh, Geralt from The Witcher games. You yeah. know, you kind of grow attached to him over the three games because it's it's all him, as opposed to say Final Fantasy, where you can get as attached as you want to Cloud, 
But in Final Fantasy VIII, you're not playing as Cloud. You're playing as whoever else is in that party because they don't link like that. So right. I've always really appreciated the East series for always having Adol and being like, all right, what's he up to now? Even in the Zelda games, it's not the same link. Yeah, there's different timelines and all this weird yeah. timey-wimey thing. Timey-wimey nonsense. Yeah. Oh, we said timey-wimey at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, it, yeah, so... That's what's getting me into Yeeze, is because it's it's Adol. It's not an alternate universe Adol. It's not a different timeline Adol. It's Adol. Like, this is just a different adventure at a different point in its life. It almost takes you back to, to Greek mythology, to like the 12 labors of, of Hercules. Like, mm-hmm. all at different points in his life. But same Hercules. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, dude. And I, I, I love it. It's good storytelling, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Like, you could even argue that, that Trails is like that, too. It's Estelle at different points in her life. Yep. So far. So far. Which, by the way, everyone listening, uh, Steam Machine Podcast, our episode about uh, our Trails in the Sky uh, first impressions is up. Um, so if you want to go check that out, uh, uh, Trails in the Sky second chapter. I don't know if I said that. If I did, I don't know. My brain is so foggy from being sick. But uh, that is up. And then in two weeks, we are going to be uh, putting out our full episode on it. But it was, man... Oh boy! It, Did you beat it yet? Me no, not yet. I'm in chapter five, um, and I believe there's oh. nine chapters. Oh, you're getting so I'm there. almost there. I got to put down Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, and that's gonna be trails a up again. But trails, man, trails. It's yeah. so it's getting so good. I am so intrigued as to what what is going on in that world. I almost just cursed there. That's how. <laughs> you be careful. That's how like yeah. into that I am. I'm like, what is happening? I messaged uh, Master Loot, one of the Steam Machine. Um, discord members and he's patrons? actually he's a patron of the jrpg board yeah. too as well so uh, i do appreciate you master loot uh, shout out to master loot yeah big shout out man uh, i messaged him at the end of chapter three and i won't give away anything i just wrote him and was like oh my god bro and he just writes back yeah i know right <laughs> it was just it was one of those situations where it was like i didn't even really have to tell him i just said end of chapter three and he's like yeah it's getting real i had that i had that moment with a friend of mine when i was playing through heaven's word and he got a, he was ahead of me and i got to the part where thordin kills harushafat i was just about to say is it where what's his face gets murked yeah yeah which i i'm sorry i spoil if i spoiled that for anybody who hasn't played final fantasy 14 but i i literally texted him in all caps curse words <laughs> and and then sent him the the darth vader no and he he's just smiling at me. He's just getting a big old kick out of me. He's like, right, right. <laughs> oh, Dude. so so we got we got a few more news items left. Yeah, we're rolling through. There's got a handful left. Uh, NIS America has released a new trailer for Disgaea Seven: Vows of the Virtuous that shows off a handful of new features in the newest entry in the Disgaea series. Jumbification turns characters into a giant so big that they can't even fill in the battlefield anymore. They instead stand off to the side watching over everyone fighting and occasionally smash it to attack. Meanwhile, some characters can access hell mode via filling up their hell gauge to access the full potential of their demonic weapons. Once they enter hell mode, they can fire off some very powerful attacks. Disguise 7 will include a whopping 45 different classes for players to experiment with. Its four new classes include the Meikau, uh, <clears throat> Meiko, the uh, Bandit, the Big Eye, and the Zombie Maiden. While the other three are self-explanatory, at first glance, the Big Eye is, as well, 
a floating octopus-like monster with a gigantic eye and a lot of tentacles. If there's one thing this guy doesn't do, it's take itself seriously. <laughs> it doesn't look it just from the thumbnail for the trailer. Uh, other features the trailer quickly lists off are item reincarnation, demonic intelligence, online ranked battles, and more. They broke down what item reincarnation was in an earlier trailer that you can find in this link that I retweeted. This guy has seven vows of the virtuous launches for the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam on October 3rd. What do you know about this guy, Mikolov? A very, very little. Very little? Okay, so... Actually, almost nothing. It is a um, tactical RPG game, right? Okay. Um, or strategy, tactical, you know, it's grid-based combat. Disgaea's whole thing is numbers. Um, I believe the max level now is something ridiculous, like 999 million. Oh, jeez. Um, okay. But... That's that's extreme. Yeah, it's, it's some ridiculous amount that you can get to. It might be 99,000, but still... Uh, the thing with this guy I, I'm is... I'm hoping you can get to that quickly. <laughs> you can pump out billions of damage in this game. Oh, dear. So that's that's, that's this guy's whole thing. It's just really big numbers. Like You hit somebody, and you're doing 1.4 billion damage. And it's all like, all the zeros show up on the screen, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right above their heads. I've got to imagine the uh, amount of time, artwork, and rendering it takes to get the numbers right is probably just as much as the characters and Disgaea is also very funny you know it's, it's a funny game as well so like it's just it's a good series man i enjoy it you can pick up so, some of the older Disgaea's for pretty cheap on steam so if you're just looking to uh just have a light-hearted adventure story with some uh tur- turn-based yeah. i'm guessing yeah some turn-based gameplay then Check out Disgaea. Yeah, I yeah. I might actually check it out just based on that thumbnail because it looks very cartoony. Now I know they've and, they've recently switched. Um, I think Disgaea Six was the first one to go into the three D realm, but okay. I know I have Disgaea Five, Disgaea Four, Disgaea One, and Disgaea Two on Steam, and they're all two D sprite based, but just fantastic. And like I said, I think the player. first one might have been PlayStation One, uh, PS Two, I believe. PS Two was it two? Wow. I believe it. I mean, even then they were still toying with 2D, but not as often. It, no, and that's the thing about, like, when you started, when you got a PS2 game that was still sprite-based, usually those sprites were like, yeah. man, look at these. Look, right? <laughs> look how good I this I mean, looks. I never owned a PS2 game, but going back and uh, playing some of them through emulation, like, Gradius V, 2D shmup, Jesus, it gorgeous. Yeah, it looks incredible. It looks incredible compared to, like, NES. Well, anything looks incredible compared to NES, but still. <laughs> All right. So, do you want to do the next two? Because I know how hyped you are for this series. Yeah, yeah, I can do that, sure. Okay. So, Bowman Jean and Precious Newman are the latest Star Ocean the Second Story R characters to get their own teaser trailers. Both are potential party members for both Claude and Rena stories. Uh, Pressis is an inventor who works with machines, while Bowman is a pharmacist who uses Qui-Gong martial arts. Both characters are from the town of Linga, and you can only recruit one or the other in-game. So if you pick Pressis, Bowman will stay in Linga, running the pharmacy. Um, so the whole thing with Star Ocean, uh, second story specifically, is that there are like, I think, 80-something endings. And they all depend on different party members that you pick up throughout the game. And again, like some you can get, some you can't get. You can't get everyone in a one playthrough. So it's very much a 
kind of kind of how Baldur Ga- Baldur's Gate three has been being for me. Uh, but first, here is Bowman's Star Ocean, the second story, our trailer. It begins with him at a clinic, and in the second one, he's talking to Rena about his wife Nina. And if you like to watch these, by the way, I did retweet this as well. Uh, after that, we see him in a battle using the Next Snap, Phoenix Talons, and Metal Fury abilities. Um, and then next up is the other trailer, which is for the Precious Star Ocean. Uh, the second story are. It begins with her asking Rena if Claude has a girlfriend. Ooh. After that, we get to see her official introduction. For the battle gameplay portion, we get to see her robot Robbie use Robbie's super beam. Then she hops inside of it to perform Frank and Robbie. From there, she uses parabola beam and rocket punch. And in case you missed some of the past Star Ocean Second Story R character teasers, there are some available too as well for Ashton Anchors, Selena Jules, Claude C. Kenny, and Rena Lanford. Star Ocean The Second Story R will come to Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC, November 2nd, 2023, day one purchase for me. Um, the art style that they chose for this, I am just over the moon about, where they did beautiful 3D rendering for all the worlds, but kept these this 2.5 HD sprites for the uh, actual characters and stuff. It just looks so good. It's such a cool yeah, contrast. Does. Yeah, like it's... You would think it wouldn't, but it it actually looks beautiful. Yeah, it's it's definitely like different, but like in in a in a good way. Um, but Square Enix has also offered another update on what people can expect from the return of Star Ocean: The Second Story. This time, it has to do with the music. It confirmed that Star Ocean: The Second Story R's soundtrack will include some new songs. However, they will be from composer Motoi Sakuraba again. Here's the official announcement, which confirmed the soundtrack will be rearranged with new and remixed songs, and it also featured photos of Sakuraba working on the game. Um, Motoi Sakuraba acted as the composer for the Star Ocean series since the original Super Famicom game. Uh, he also worked on spinoffs like Star Ocean, Blue Sphere, and Anam- Anamnesis. Anamnesis? Yeah, I think that's right. <coughs> Prior to returning to the Star Ocean Second Story R soundtrack, he worked on the Divine Force new entry. Um, the announcement was, we are bringing... A fresh feel to familiar music. The entire original soundtrack has been rearranged by original composer uh, Sakuraba with new and remixed tunes in Star Ocean, the second story R, in case you were wondering. Basically what it already said. Um, and again, this game is coming out November 2nd for Switch, PS4, PS5, and PC. Um, the game can also be immediately found on PlayStation and PSP worldwide for the PS3, PS4, and Vita in Japan. So you can... I think you could still get PSP and Vita games. I think th- I don't think they ever shut it down. They were going to, but they didn't. I uh, yeah, I believe so. Um, so. I know that. Uh, so there, the original uh, Star Ocean Second Story came out on PlayStation. The original PlayStation. Right. Um, then they did Star Ocean the Second Story R, which was a PSP game. They right. they did a first the first first game and the second game. Then they released the Switch only. Might mind you. Uh, re-release of the first remake. So I'm just like, where's the second story? I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting and, and waiting and, and waiting. And here it is. And finally it's coming, and they're putting it on PC. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yes. Yes, so... <laughs> day one purchase for you. I know. And it, it, it does look good, and I'm glad they're redoing the soundtrack, and I'm glad that they got the same guy to do it. Yeah, I think that's going to help a lot, because, you know, that original feeling will be there for them since he wrote them originally so they did that with uh live alive which was out on super nintendo in japan never came here and then they finally released it here for the switch and now it's on steam but they did the same thing they brought the original composer in and 
people love that game. People who have never heard of that game love that game. So I'm, I'm thinking this is going to bring a whole new audience into Star Ocean, if it hasn't already. All right. You want to read this next one? Yeah, this is another thing uh, that that you might get hyped for. Which, if there's a way that we could somehow do this on Discord, I would totally do it. Uh, Nihon Falcon partners with Promethean Books to bring the Legend of Heroes and Ease to the tabletop. In a surprise announcement, Nihon Falcon's argues, arguably two biggest properties, the Legend of Heroes Trails and Ease series, are getting the tabletop treatment next year thanks to developer Promethean Books. The partnership was revealed on their Twitter slash X account this afternoon, with the Legend of Heroes, Trails of Destiny, and Ease Age of Heroes both expected next year. While details on both are still rather scarce, the announcement was still able to provide a peek as to what players can expect. Ease Age of Heroes will be a more traditional fantasy fair setting, letting players create new heroes that are striving to follow in Adol's footsteps and adventure across the various lands the video games take place in. Trails of Destiny, being a bit earlier in development, will have a more modern aesthetic, tasking players to deal with and navigate the political turmoil and corruption in Zemeria while discovering its secrets. Both games will be adapting Promethean Books' in-house TTRPG system, known simply as the Promethean System, which is present in other games of theirs, including the Curse Band Chronicles. More will be revealed in the coming months as development progresses leading up to these games releases sometime in 2024 now when they say tabletop are they talking like a tabletop board game or are they actually doing ease and legend of heroes dungeons and dragons style campaign games no 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 yeah they're they're ttrpgs so that's going to be a tabletop role-playing game so it is going to okay. be D D, but in the style of these games Okay, so we can totally do that in Discord. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ima- imagine like us and like Nate and William and Jeremy just like getting together every couple weeks and just freaking play the tabletop trails. Oh, dude, yeah, and I'd be putting it up on Patreons and being like, "Yo, y'all listen to this and see if you like it," because yeah, I- I've been wanting to do a series like that anyway, um, and record them and put them up on Patreon, but at the same time like have those so if you know like say this covid kicked my butt and i wasn't able to record the steam machine this past week uh i could have put out like episode zero or one of that instead and yeah you know it would have it would have helped things (laughs) it'd been like hey if you like this come check out the patreon yeah and it's like you know one of us uh one of us telling uh telling a story and putting scenarios and the, the the others uh Yelling at each other and arguing. Yeah, hundred percent. Like every D and D session. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, man, I would love. <laughs> Which is actually, you know, one reason to play Baldur's Gate because you get tons of dragons without the the toxic players. Yes, sir. Not to say I'm a toxic D and D player because I'm not. I just, I man, I'm I'm just hyped. I'm hyped for both of these. the The worlds of ease would be sweet, and then you know the trails. There's so much intrigue that you can build into the trails. Mm-hmm games with all of the things that are going on in their world space so and 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 hopefully these books will have like pre-written campaigns yeah i'm assuming they will i'm assuming they will yeah. i'm sure also people will come up with their own things as well oh i'm sure because usually what happens is they uh they lay the groundwork and then let the let the dms roll with it yeah all right so rolling through we only got a couple left sea of stars 
is coming out soon and will be available as a PlayStation Plus game catalog title for PlayStation Extra and Premium members on launch day. Developer Sabotage Studio has announced. A demo is now available for both PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 4. This Japanese-inspired turn-based RPG was previously confirmed as a day-one launch title for Xbox Game Pass. Well, now PlayStation is also like, yeah, we can do that too. When it launches on August 29th... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just said now that they have their own service. Yeah. Uh, When it launches on August 29th, Sea of Stars will be available for PlayStation 5, Xbox Series, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC via Steam, and Microsoft Store. I do not recommend anyone buy it from the Microsoft Store. Uh... The demo was previously released for all platforms except PlayStation. For more, check out today's PlayStation blog post in which Sabotage Studio had designer Philip Dione go into detail about how the game evolves traversal. Um, but yeah, so if you want to check this out, the demo, go check it out, see a stars. I think it's this is the one that's supposed to be heavily inspired by like Chrono Trigger and games like that. Um, so I was gonna say I'm getting I'm getting Chrono Cross vibes actually from just from looking at the picture here, just because I I remember in Chrono Cross seeing a lot of scenes where you'd be crossing a bridge and you'd see like all the stuff in the background. And that is a beautiful screenshot. It right really there. is. So, like, with, the, with the sun, with the sun going down and the different colored buildings, which that's that's a, a part of like the real world where they have like buildings like that. Yeah, hundred percent. Where they just built them into the side of the mountain. Yeah, so that's that's really neat. Like that that looks like a world I want to explore. For sure, for sure. And it's. And it's coming out August 29th uh, in the West. It's a, yeah. I don't think it said that, that it was coming out in Japan only. We're, we're getting this. Oh, yeah. I, that is a Western-developed game. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's just JRPG-inspired. Oh, it does say that, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but either in any case, I think it's releasing worldwide on August 28th. So I'm stoked for it, dude. Yeah. Problem. The problem with like all these great games coming out is they're all RPGs, so they're all time sinks. <laughs> Believe me. If I had my way with Steam Machine, we would only play RPGs because there's so many I want to play. Uh, so many. <laughs> but that, see, if you did that, I would end up permanently being on Steam Machine because they'd all be ones I want to play. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to crowd up that podcast on you. <laughs> all right, man. I'll let you handle the uh, next news story. All right. Uh, Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, Screenshots, Detail, Battle Styles. Square Enix has posted new screenshots and information for Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Dai, detailing the battle styles of the game's four playable characters, Dai, Pop, Mam, and Hunkel. We also had a chance to check out Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Dai at this year's Anime Expo. And you can check out James's preview, and it's linked, of the action RPG. The new details and screenshots are via Square Enix. Um, today, Square Enix revealed more details and assets highlighting the various battle styles of the playable characters, Die, Pop, Mam, and Hyunkle, in the upcoming action role-playing game, Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die. That name is a mouthful. In, I'm just going to say Infinity Strash from now on. Mm-hmm. There um, you go. <laughs> <laughs> they embark on a thrilling quest, battling the Dark Army and their myriad monsters as Dai and his friends, utilizing each character's unique set of attacks, guarding and dodging abilities against the enemy, as well as iconic skills and spells from the Dragon Quest The Adventure of Dai anime series. The disciples of Avan, Dai, Pop, 
ma'am, and uncle, each have a number of unique attacks, skills, and coup de gras abilities players will soon be able to master. Uh, the attacks and skills include uh, Dai's battle style, as Dai cut down enemies in close combat using knives and swords. Unique skill, be sure to use his unique skill, Draconic Aura, to greatly increase all of his stats. And he is also master of the Avan-style sword technique, using his powerful skill Wave Slash and Coup de Gras Avan Strash to defeat enemies. As Pop, you excel in defeating enemies with ranged magic attacks. His unique skill Meditation shortens the recovery time between each of his skills, and he deals immensely powerful damage to enemies while using his still Crackle and his Coup de Gras Kafriz. Dragon Quest with their... I love it. Great naming schemes for spells. I love it. <laughs> Mam's warrior priest battle style. Um, she has a hammer spear and she supports her allies with a magic bullet gun. She's got a hammer and a gun. Yeah, she's not to be told. Um, her unique skill is to reload the gun. And then she <laughs> also uses mid heal and then uses magic bullet crackle, where she shoots enemies with bullets infused with the magic of crackle, which is another Dragon Quest skill, but. They put spells in her bullets. Yeah. And she heals. She's literally a warrior priest. She'll heal you and she'll mess you up. <laughs> um, Hyunkel uh, crushes enemies with his Avan style sword technique and dark aura skills. So his unique skill, Amdo, increases his defense further by wearing the dark armor blade. And his coup de croix is called Bloody Scride that he developed during his days in the dark army and it deals massive damage to enemies. As players progress through the story, new battle styles will become available to the, all the characters to help die in his adventure, offering even more skills and coup de gras abilities to master. Um, and so basically, um, Mam and Hyunkel get more powerful stuff. Um, and then players who purchase the Delicial Deluxe Edition are going to receive the full game and the following items. Legendary Mage Outfit for Pop, Legendary Priest Outfit for Man, Legendary Martial Artist Outfit for Man, a Legendary Swordsman Outfit for Hyunkle, and a Legendary Warrior Outfit for Hyunkle. Um, Infinity Strash is now available for digital pre-orders and pre-purchase on PS5, PS4, Xbox, and PC via Steam and the Microsoft Store. Pre-orders for the Nintendo Switch version will be available at a later date. Players who pre-order or pre-purchase the game will also receive Dai's special outfit, Legendary Hero, and the Bomb Memory, the Hero's Tutor. Um, and I'm just checking to see if I read a release date, and I don't think I did. But it looks like it is it is up for pre-order. Um, it looks like 28th of September in the U.S. Actually, everywhere. 28th of September. Alright, so not too much longer to wait for that one. About a month or so. A month and a half. No, and it's... I different but for dragon quest it's very different but it's actually pretty cool like just the screenshots alone like the characters seem to be well developed and i don't know just that warrior priest like gun and hammer hammer spear i'm sorry gun and hammer spear yeah awesome and heal <laughs> so in other words just play as her yeah for the real. others don't matter uh <laughs> And then speaking of dragons, our final story today, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot's DLC number five, the 23rd World Tournament launches on August 17th. Bandai Namco has announced 
Uh, this DLC offering is the second for Season Pass 2, which also includes a yet-to-be-revealed sixth story arc DLC. The first Season Pass, which is now fully available, includes the DLC expansions of A New Power Awakens Part 1 and Part 2, and Trunks, The Warrior of Hope. The fourth DLC, Bardock, Alone Against Fate, released in January of 2023. Uh... And yeah, so this is going to be coming soon. Apparently, it's just another saga in this. Uh, I, I like what they've been doing with Kakarot, uh, where it's just like you're playing an RPG as Goku, and they just keep adding DLC that's more parts of the show. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. So they they don't have the whole show that they don't have like the Boo saga and stuff like that. Because I know Dragon Ball Z ends with Boo. Let me let me uh, let me Google that real quick and make sure I'm not telling you lies. Yeah, well, I. I only think that's what it is because I remember back in college watching Adult Swim every night at like 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And they would always get to a certain point in the Boo Saga and they would stop and go all the way back to Namek. Because uh. they didn't have the last like handful of episodes. I think they had it translated, but they were like not appropriate for even syndicated tv at like 11 o'clock midnight at least at the time yeah at the time for sure so so they would just they would just loop it and so i would watch like an idiot because it was early 2000s there was nothing else you could do yeah right until until i discovered kaza and then i think i finally like downloaded the last few episodes um and watched them that way well according to google uh dragon ball z kakarot is broken up into four storylines the Saiyan Saga, the Frieza Saga, the Cell Saga, and the Boo Saga. Okay. So these might be like mo- the movies. That's possible. Yeah. Actually, I think you're right because Bardock and all of that stuff, I believe, was a movie. Yeah. I don't know what A New Power Awakens is, though. That could be uh, against Beerus from the Dragon Ball Super anime. Okay. Beerus. Dude. So they, so they go into other Dragon Ball games. Or, I'm sorry, they go into other Dragon Ball shows. So, I mean, and then the, to me, that's even cooler because they're expanding on Goku's story. It's not just the Z content. Right. Um, I'm okay with that. One of my favorite moments in the history of that show, and I've only ever seen a clip of it, I haven't seen the full episode, is where they're trying to appease Beerus because Beerus is like he could destroy the world if he wants to. And Bulma says something to him he doesn't like, and I think he like smacks her or pushes her down or something, and Vegeta loses his ever loving mind. And, oh, because Vegeta married Bulma. Yeah, and he beats the tar out of Beerus. <laughs> it is fantastic. You see a rage in Vegeta like you've never seen before. And he takes this god wow. and just annihilates him. It's it's wonderful television. I actually saw the movie um, when it came out. A couple of friends of mine wanted to see the movie, and I'm like, I haven't been exposed to anything Dragon Ball in a long time and the movie was actually fairly good it didn't focus on goku and vegeta it actually focused more on gohan as a like a grown-up with a with a kid of his own and like it um his his kids go 10 right his kid is go 10 and and half the time like piccolo is like being a father figure to go 10 because um because gohan is working or something yeah (laughs) What's that? Because Gohan's just like his dad. Yeah, he's well, he's <laughs> the funny thing is he's like working like some off like I don't know if he's a reporter or something, I don't remember, but he's like wearing glasses and like typing on a computer and he's like, I gotta get this done. Like, can you go 
pick up Goten. And so Piccolo now has to show up, like, show up with his, like, you know, his Namek self and be like, I'm here to pick you up. <laughs> uh, tremendous. But I, I, I don't know. I, I very much enjoyed the movie for, for someone who never, who hasn't seen anything past Dragon Ball Z. It was very, it was still fun. Yeah, I, I need to go back and rewatch some of that stuff. Like, I always tell myself, I'm going to put an anime on. And and when I do, I always super enjoy it, right? Like, mm-hmm. the last one I picked, probably not the best one to talk about on this show, because it was more of an adult anime, but it was called uh, Harem to the Labyrinth of Another World or something like that, right? So it was just, it was super violent, it was super sexual, but it was hilarious. Mm. And, uh, and there was another one called, like, Monster Monsu. Or Monsu, Mon Piece Monsu, I don't know, anything like that. But it was another one of those shows that's like risque, but hilarious. And I'm finding myself really enjoying those because they crack me up. Um, but I, I just they're, always... They're good in a moment where you're where you're burned out and you literally just need mind bleach. And yeah. you just need to sit there and just soak up something that's absolutely ridiculous just so you can have a good laugh and wash off the, the horrors of being an adult. 100%, man. 100%. Yeah. Um, and on that note, let's run through the uh, the closing here, and then we can get up out of here. Um, so I, I I feel bad that I think I may have turned a uh, thirty minute podcast into almost two hours. Hey, that's okay, dog. New format, new things coming. We'll we'll hash it out. It's the first time. You know what I mean? We'll get we'll get into yeah. a flow. It's all good, and yeah. people either like it or they won't, and we're gonna keep putting it out regardless. So. Please, please like it. We we love you <laughs> we all. Do. All you fine listeners. I don't want you. I don't want that to come off sounding mean or anything. I just, I'm like, man, I'm trying. <laughs> if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm trying. <laughs> no, l- listen. Like the point of me coming on was to hope that you would have a little bit more fun running through this format and have somebody to bounce off of. So hopefully, I'm doing that for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, dude. It was. It was much. And that. And that's the thing is like you know I sit here for 20 minutes and read all this stuff off and don't really go into detail about it. Or I have somebody that I can bounce ideas off with, and maybe people will enjoy the banter and still get their news. You know. So. Uh, but if you would like to check out the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash the JRPG report, or excuse me, slash JRPG report, no the, uh, if you want to check us out over on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, at JRPG report, if you would like to join the Patreon, you can get episodes, uh, I'll say early and ad free, um, you can do so at patreon.com slash the JRPG report, that will also get you access into the Patreon Discord server, um, so if you join the Patreon, just shoot me a DM, I will get you a link, if it doesn't give it to you automatically, and boom, you can be in there and come hang out with us and talk about all the JRPG goodness. Um, with a special shout out to these guys, uh, Jake W. Jordan K. Kularian and Master Loot. Uh, we do appreciate you very, very much. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Kularian. I do not know if you've been peeping around since I've given you access to the Discord. But he is currently uh, working on something very cool. I do not know if he wants me to put out there exactly what it is yet um, because it's a behind the scenes kind of thing. But he is working on something very cool that I think is uh, going to be popular whenever it, if he finishes it and releases it for people. Uh, we can talk more about it off air. Uh, just because, again, I don't have his permission. If I had his permission to talk about it, I would plug it 100%. But uh, I do want to just say, though, he's working on something very cool. And if I get permission to bring it up, I will, because all of you listening would probably be interested in it. Other than that, uh, check me out over on the Steam Machine podcast, a bi-weekly PC gaming show where we play through a uh, backlog of PC games. Uh, right now, 
we are playing through Trails in the Sky, the second chapter. Um, so definitely uh, peek in for that. You want to check me out over on a definitely not family-friendly show, Yav's Pod, yet another BS podcast. Me and my buddy Jeremy just shoot the bull for a couple hours talking about whatever we happen to feel like. And uh, and yeah, man, go ahead and plug your stuff one more time there, Mikhailov. Uh, Team Retro everywhere, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, if you do join the JRPG and the Steam Machine Discords, you could find me there as well. Uh, and you could find me on the Retro Handhelds Discord. And if you go on my, either on my X or on my uh, YouTube channel, there's links to all that stuff there. Uh, every video I put a link to the the Steam Machine and the Retro Handhelds Discord. So, a couple of really cool communities that I'm partnered with, and adding uh, Jerry. J- Ugh. adding jrpg report to that list while butchering the name <laughs> unintentionally <laughs> yeah man and also like if anybody listening wants to uh bit.ly slash tsmp discord all capital letters put that in it'll get you an invite into the steam machine discord um you're more than welcome to come join uh that we do where uh, fans can vote on this poll that we have for games um for the show and more often than not, I try to at least sneak a JRPG report on, or not, excuse me, not a JRPG report, a JRPG game in there uh, for people to vote on. And it doesn't always get some votes. So if you want to change that and you want to hear about more JRPGs on the Steam Machine, come join. Check us out. Bit.ly slash TSMP Discord. Mikhailov, thank you for joining me for this episode of the JRPG Report, my good sir. This has been episode 254. He is Mikhailov. My name is Dalton, and as always, everyone, get back out there and level up.